Well, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is Nate, and I am the lead pastor of The Front. Maybe you're new. Uh, maybe you don't consider yourself particularly religious. Maybe you're from another tradition. Uh, maybe you're watching online, and you can't be with us in the house this morning. We miss you, but we're glad you're out there with us. Whatever the case, we're creating The Front for you because we're inviting as many people as possible to experience Jesus' story. You getting that pad? Heck yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we're so glad you're with us this morning. Uh, this morning is not anything according to plan. So allow me to fill you in a little bit. Um, the, the, the person who is supposed to lead worship is Abby Pasqua, Cameron's wife. And Abby has been hit with the flu and COVID and could not lead worship. So Shar and Nate did a fantastic job, didn't they? Give it up for them. The person who is supposed to preach is Cameron, who is also sick, but better than his wife, but still is down and out. I got a phone call yesterday that they weren't going to be able to be here this morning. And so, our, our, and so what you have this morning is a lot of sort of last-minute adjustments. So bear with us. If, if, it, if, it's, if, if, if what you're about to hear from me, if you're like, man, like, just come back next week. Cam's going to preach next week, too. He's got a great message that I'm excited for him to share with our community. And so come cheer him on, too. Like, you've seen him as a worship leader, but he has a, God has prepared him to share something with us. So it's going to be great next week. But what that means is I just want to give you guys an idea about what to expect for the rest of our gathering. It's a family service, so we expect a little bit more noise than usual, and that's okay. Uh, we normally, on a normal Sunday, we have programming for kids, and at this moment in time, we would dismiss the kids to go to their age-appropriate programming, and we have that up to 12 years old, and our Kid Front volunteers are amazing, and your kids have a fantastic time in the Kid Front environments. But today, everyone's together, and so we're going to have a Kid Front moment for them in a little bit. But we've just done three songs. I'm welcoming you guys, and I'm going to jump into my message ish it's a message ish and then we'll finish with the kid front moment and the final song and so the only other thing i want to catch you guys up to speed on before i jump into my message is our christmas offering initiatives we went above and beyond our initiative to raise over a thousand we raised over a thousand dollars nearly 1200 around 12 to 1300 dollars to bless the faculty of summit academy high school when they come here in a couple days back to school, they're going to find in their teacher's lounge a box for every single one of them with a, with a Quinchet gift card, with some goodies, just to say, thank you for pouring your lives into the students of our community. We appreciate you. We're thankful for you. And so each one of those boxes, has, it's a significant gift. We budgeted about 17 bucks a box. And so you guys helped us raise that. That's amazing. We are still raising some money for our Care Portal Fund. Our goal was to hit $2,000, and that fund will help us care for the most vulnerable in our community. Now, we're not closing the fund. Like, it's going to remain open all year, so you can give at any time. But we're at $1,230-some dollars right now. So we're about $760, $770 short of our goal. If you guys want to help us reach that goal, every single dollar designated for the Care Portal 
will go to help. And as Amber shared a few weeks ago, um, we had the opportunity to, um, to re- what it, claim, claim our first need because needs are put into the care portal by social workers all over the Salt Lake Valley. And then local churches can say, oh, we're by that one. We're going to take care of that one. And so we had a chance to claim our first need, and that was for a girl who had been in foster care all her life and who'd only ever got hand-me-downs and just wanted to buy her own coat, a teenager. And so we bought her a gift card with some of those care portal funds, and then we hand-deliver it to her, and she's able to go to the store and buy a great winter coat for herself. And I think that's pretty cool. We'll get to do things like that all year. If you give to the fund, that's what your money goes to. So, with that said, you guys mind if I sit? Because I would like to sit this morning. Yesterday, Cam calls. It's like 1 p.m. And yesterday was our scheduled family Christmas with my my family. My brother and sister-in-law are in town. My parents are in town. And so, yesterday was not a day I'm going to write a sermon. And so Cam calls, and I'm like, don't worry about it. Take care of your wife. I'll cover it somehow. (laughs) And one of the things I wanted you guys to know is my family is a valuable thing to me. And so I'm going to always, or try my best, to be a steward of the time that I've designated with them. And so sometimes that means you guys are second fiddle. No offense, and I love you deeply. But so I, I just thought, well, I'm not going to give this too much thought. And we're just going to see what happens. And the Lord gave me an idea yesterday, and we're just going to roll with it today. And that is New Year's, e- New Year's Eve. That's today. And typically for New Year's, people are making New Year's resolutions. And sometimes a resolution for uh, someone who is following Jesus or considering following Jesus is, I want to read the Bible. I want to read the Bible this year. I want, to, I want to get into the Bible. I want to begin reading the Bible regularly. And that's a great resolution, but it can often become intimidating. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you make it through Genesis. And, and, and if you do that, you can give yourself a big pat on the back. But the minute you start trekking through, uh, maybe even you make it through Exodus, but the minute you hit Leviticus... And you learn about all the sacrifices and the tabernacle rituals. And you learn about the lengths of certain curtains that are in the tabernacle. And you're reading this and you're like, what do I... And, and a lot of people just give up at that point. My goal this morning is to invite you guys into my personal reading routine. And this isn't for everyone, the way that I read the Bible... But I just wanted to show you guys, like, this is how I approach the Bible devotionally. This is how I read the Bible regularly, nearly daily. Um, um, and, and it's something that's worked for me. Now, you guys don't need to copy me. <clears throat> the important thing is, if you want to read the Bible, you should make it a goal to just do something short and sustainable to start. Short and sustainable. Not... Don't be like, I'm going to read, I'm going to read five chapters a day. I mean, maybe you need to do that. But I honestly think that the power in the story of the scripture is not like, I guess you can consume big amounts of it and that would be good. But I think there's power 
and, there, and, and the scripture is formative if we just make it a habit to regularly show up to the story of the scripture. And maybe for you to regularly show up so that you're not giving up in two weeks or in three months, maybe, the, maybe for you it's five minutes a day or it's 10 minutes a day, or it's 15 minutes a day, where you're like, I'm going to designate this amount of my day, I'm going to read a little bit of scripture, I'm going to pray, and, and, and then I'm going to move on with my day. Listen, if you do that, if you establish a regular pattern, even if it's not as much Bible as you want to read, but you're, like, but, but you're trying to get something sustainable, over the long haul, if you continue to do that, if you continue to show up to that, it will form you. And so when I approach the Bible, my Bible reading is um, my, uh, a word that we sometimes use when we talk about reading the Bible devotionally is quiet times, where we quiet ourselves before the Lord, and we ask Him to speak to us, and we get into the Scripture. Most of the time, my quiet times are not giant epiphanies. I'm like, Wow! My time with the Lord was amazing today. Like occasionally, occasionally, God's gift to us as we approach the scripture is that occasionally we have those moments. But most of the time when I am approaching the scripture, I am showing up to it, believing that as I continue to show up to it day in and day out regularly, it story will form me over time. And so you guys should know that your pastor, most of the time, is not having incredible quiet times. Occasionally they are, praise God. But a lot of times it's just a habit of continuing to show up to the story of the scripture. So what I do, I'm one of those nerds who uses the, my iPad for my Bible. But you guys have Bibles with you on your phones. And so you should, if you don't, download the Bible app. It's a great tool. It's a tool that you can use. But I download, I have a Bible app that I use. And then when I read the Bible devotionally, I'm always, I'm typically reading four things. And I'm going to do a couple of those readings just live with you guys this morning. Real-time reading, real-time thinking. So this is not scripted. This is going to be fun. But this is not scripted. So I do four things. I, I, I start my reading with a psalm. And I'm, I'll talk about the psalms in a second. And then I read a text of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is sometimes harder to read, but it sets the stage in the story for the New Testament. So it's valuable to read. And we will learn it. And we, as we learn it, God will form us through it. But it's sometimes a little bit harder to show up to the Old Testament. But I read a section of the Old Testament. And then I read a portion of the New Testament, which is everything Jesus and post-Jesus. But I always, 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 if I read my Bible and I'm like, I don't have time to read everything. I don't have time to read most of my things. I will always read a gospel reading. The gospel accounts are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they are biographies of Jesus and they're Jesus' life story. And I'm always cycling through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and usually not even reading a chapter, but just a small chunk of text from the story of Jesus' life, trusting that as I show up to that, he will form me using it. And so I also bring out two things 
I have my journal, and in my journal, I just write, like the very first thing I usually write, let's see, and you can see where I'm cheating sometimes, where I'm not reading everything. On, on, on December 15th, I wrote Psalm 49:15. I guess that was enough for December 15th. On December 18th, I wrote Psalm 50 and Luke 8, but I write my passages and I'm reading at the top. And then I have my journal out because you guys know that sometimes when you show up to read, you got all sorts of things going on in your mind. And sometimes it's hard to focus in on what you're reading because all those things are spinning around. And so sometimes I got to journal out those things or I turn them into prayers if they're things weighing on me. This morning I have two things weighing on me. If I were to open up my journal and journal, I would journal about these things. One is that my check engine light came on again this morning. Now, I thought it was going to because it's doing something a little funny, and I'm like, man, my, my car, my car. And so if this were a normal morning, I would write that down because I'm like, God, you know this is, just, you know this is like on me. This is like a constant thing. I'm bugged about my car. I'm worried about how much it's going to cost to repair. I don't, all these unknowns, I'm going to journal that out. Because if I don't, it's just going to spin and I'm not actually going to read. The second thing on my mind this morning is that I had a friend who I learned passed away last night. A ministry friend. Not, a clo- not like a close friend, but a ministry acquaintance who, when I was really young, poured into, into my life in a special way. And I'm sad about that. And so I would journal about Don this morning, too. And thank God for the gift Don was to me. And then I'd pick it up and read. And I'd start with the psalm. And today's psalm, if you guys want to read along, you should. Pick up your Bibles. Nothing's going to be on the screen. I didn't write a sermon today. Nothing is on the screen. If you want to read along, open your Bible apps, uh, if you got them, uh, and go to Psalm chapter 52. Also, a little nerdy here, but I read the psalms in the New Living Translation. There's, you can read them in whatever translation you want. There's a lot of good, reliable translations, but I just like reading them in um, the New Living. So, and I hope that when we read this, you get some tips for like, what do I do when I, like, am reading scripture that feels a little strange to me? So Psalm 52, it says, Why do you boast about your crimes, great warrior? Don't you realize God's justice continues forever? All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to destroy others with your words, you liar. But God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and uproot you from the land of the living. Okay, anyone a little uncomfortable? Okay, what do we do with this? What do I do with this when I'm reading it? Well, I'll tell you. First, we have to realize where in the story we are. Are we pre-Jesus? Are we post-Jesus? Because Jesus is the perfect picture of what God is like, as our New Testament writers tell us. So we read all of Scripture through Jesus. We understand who he is, and we read Scripture in light of who he is. And what does Jesus teach us to pray when it comes to our enemies? Does he teach us to pray for the destruction of our enemies? He, Jesus taught us to, to, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Okay, so if that's what Jesus taught us, what's going on here? 
Psalms. It's before Jesus, but this is not a prayer. This, like, this is not a, a loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you prayer. Or it's praying for the destruction of those who persecute you. But I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. Here's what I do when I come across stuff like this. I realize the Psalms are sometimes full of good theology. And the Psalms are sometimes full of bad theology. Hang tight. Hang tight. Why? How can I say the Psalms are full of bad theology? Well, what is this, the intent of the Psalms is the Psalms are meant to teach us how to pray. And so the Psalms aren't meant, I mean, we can learn about God, but we learn about God by looking at Jesus. We learn about God through other texts and, and, and the scripture. And then, but, but the Psalms teach us how to pray. They're poems. You notice that in your Bible, it might like indent them a little bit. Uh, they're like, not, doesn't look like a paragraph. It looks kind of like a poem. They're poems. And some, some of these Psalms are full of not good things. But, so what does that tell us? Well, what that tells me is that any emotion I feel, any, any, yes, God can handle any emotion I feel, and I can be completely honest with him about it. I don't have to hide it. I don't have to cover it. I don't have to pretend like I'm not feeling it. And this psalmist right here is angry at some people who have betrayed him or who continue to wrong due to him. And he's just honest with God about that. And so um, the Psalms, what they are to me is they're a gift that helps me learn how I can pray. And they kind of set my, the rest of my scripture reading up as like a prayer before I get into the, the, the rest of my scripture reading. So let's keep going. Verse 6 of Chapter 52, the righteous will see it and be amazed. They'll laugh and say, look at what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God. They trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name and the presence of your faithful people. This psalm has some good things to say about God. And it also invites us into a posture of trust. But we just got to recognize, like, what is the purpose of a psalm? It can teach us about God, but it's really giving us, it's not so much a theology book as it is a prayer book. Does it make sense? So I read a psalm. And I flip over to the Old Testament. And I'm not going to read my Old Testament reading today. Sorry, you guys. But right now I'm in 1 Samuel. And then after I read the Old Testament, I read in the New Testament. And right now I'm in James. And I've been really struck by this passage in James chapter 2, and I felt the Lord just kind of prod me and say, Don't, it's not time to move on in your reading yet. I want you to stay here for a little bit. And so that passage is in James chapter 2. This is after Jesus. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He starts saying, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you so special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here, there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I love thinking about that in the context of the front church. And when we huddle up before the rest of you guys get here on a Sunday morning, I've shared this with our team a few times. And I'm like, listen up. We are here. 
We are creating the front, not for the, not for the people we already know who are in love with Jesus and who are passionately following him. We are creating the front for our friends and for the people here who we don't know if where they are from religiously. We don't know them personally. We might not know them personally. We, are, we, we have to recognize that here we could read this passage and think, suppose a man comes into your meeting and you know him and you see him every Sunday at church and you're going to talk to him three times this week and another person comes in and you don't know them and you don't recognize them or you just recently met them or you do know them but they've never come to church before and now they're here because you invited them. Pay attention to that person. So I feel like the Lord's just been sitting in this passage with me and then James just keeps going and has so much good to say, so many good things that we're actually going to start a sermon series in James in a couple weeks. And so that's going to be a good time. So I'm going to save some of my thoughts on James for the sermon series. Also, I don't know if I said this. Did I say Cam's preaching next week? Cam's preaching next week. Okay. And then let's go to my gospel reading. And right now I'm in Luke. And I'm in Luke chapter 8. And I'm at verse 26 of Luke chapter 8. That I use that New International Version most of the time, except with the Psalms, where I use the New Living Translation. Again, you don't have to do what I do. That's just what I do. It's just a routine I've fallen into. Here's the thing that I've recognized as I read the Bible. If I don't have a plan, I typically don't read it. So I like to have a plan. And now I've got this plan that I've settled into for a few years. I'm like, I am not deviating from this. Because it's a routine that I can continue again and again and again. When I reach the end of the Psalms, I start at the beginning of the Psalms. When I reach the end of the Old Testament, I start at the beginning of the Old Testament. When I reach the end of the New Testament, I start at the beginning. When I reach the end of all four Gospels, I start back at the beginning. It's just a process that goes and goes and goes for me. But here we are in Luke. Did I say chapter 8? Chapter 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore... He was met by a demon-possessed man from that town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. And many times it seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven away by the demon into solitary places. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, the demon replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. And a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man and they went into the pigs, the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with them. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all the town how much Jesus had done for him. 
okay, if I'm reading a passage like this and I have questions, I'm jotting them down. Like, what is the deal with the pigs? Does God hate pigs? <laughs> like, down go the pigs into, in, into the lake. Like, what's the deal with the pigs? What's, I'm, I, if I have questions that come to my mind, I'm writing them down. But then I'm also trying to think, like, what is the big takeaway here? And for me, the big takeaway is just an internal question to keep coming back to is do I consider people more important than possessions? Because the, these guys are freaked out here because they lost a lot of money, because their money was invested into their pigs. But the guy who was out of his mind and deranged, and the whole community knew this guy, and the whole community had seen him, and seen him at his very worst, and decided he's better out there than in here. That guy's now okay. And they're more concerned with the money they lost than the man who's been restored. And I think so many times, for me, and it would just, it'd be like, man, where are tasks? Where, am, I, am I interruptible? Am I interruptible? Are my kids more important than my task? Are people more important than the stuff I, I got to get done? Um, uh, if financially things are not great, is it going to be okay? <laughs> because these things don't matter as much as these. These are the types of questions that I then might spend some time journaling down. I forgot to tell you about my other notebook. This notebook, again, you don't have to do what I do. This is just what I do. This notebook is for the random thoughts. Not like the ones that are weighing on my heart, but just the random thoughts that, oh, I got to do this today. And you know, if I don't write it down, it just spins up here too. I write it down, and I'm back to reading. That's how I approach the Bible. And that's how I read it devotionally. Now, I think for the new year, the reason we even come to this, we come to this because this is a book about Jesus. This is a book that is either setting the stage for Jesus, or Jesus comes and makes sense of all the story that came before him, or it's a book of people trying to live out Jesus' new way in, in, in relationship with God, filled with the Spirit, living as God's new people. That's, that's what this book is. And so we, we return to it. Because if we continue to make a habit of coming to it again and again and again and again, it will form us. It has a formative thing. And we go to all sorts of other things that are forming us. You know, I've been trying to reach less for my phone this week over the, over the holiday season. And my average time is still like an hour and a half of screen time or something. And I thought I was reaching for it less. Right? Like... There's other things that we are going to and continuing to show up to. And those also have a formative effect. And so my encouragement to you guys is to figure out what does it look like personally to establish a regular routine where I can t come to the Bible. And I would say don't, you don't have to do what I do. In fact, if you're brand new to the Bible, I have a couple suggestions. The first is just start with the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Those are the stories of Jesus. And of course, not everything's going to make sense if you're brand new to the Bible. But just start to show up to the story regularly and watch it begin to shape you. Um, my second suggestion is maybe a podcast or a Bible reading plan. Now, there's this Bible reading 
podcast? Is the Bible Recap a podcast? The Bible Recap podcast by Tara Lee Cobble. I know a lot of people who are finding this really useful to continue to show up to the Bible day after day. I think she walks through the whole Bible in a year. Is that right? So, hey, she does. Someone in here likes it, huh? And so it's on the Bible app. You don't even have to download a separate app for the Bible Recap podcast. You can use the Bible app, and there's, that, that would be a great thing. I've talked previously about an app called Lectio 365, which is a great way to begin and end your day. But the, the, the important thing is not to have crazy, like, epiphany-filled quiet times. So maybe that's how God will meet you when you begin to show up to the story of the Scripture. But the important thing is to just keep showing up to it and establishing some sort of a regular rhythm that you can keep showing up to it. And over time, God will meet you and God will form you because that's what he does when we engage the Scripture. So, let me see. So the last thing I wanted to give you guys a peek into, besides my devotional reading, is another trick to getting into the Bible regularly. And this trick is particularly pertinent to you if you have kids, or littlish kids. or uh, uh, You can do this with teenagers too. Um, you might just pick something a little different to read. But every night, in my family... Before we go to bed, we do a bit of story time. But the story time is always a Bible story. And I have several Bible story books that I would highly recommend. But the one I brought today, and one of my favorites, is the Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids. And every night before my kids go to bed, we all get together. We try to get them to sit still and listen. But that doesn't always work. You guys know how that goes. But it doesn't matter if they're sitting still or not. We're going to read through a Bible story. And then we're going to pray together as a family. And they think that's for them. It's for us. Another way to get really more familiar with the story of the Bible is to read Bible stories to your kids. It's not just for them. Now, you should should try and read it to them when they're young, though, because, man, kids' brains are like sponges. Like, Mina, how do you remember this stuff? Well, she remembers it because her brain is a sponge and mine is mush right? Like her brain just at her age can absorb so much. And so to get into a Bible storybook or something regularly, they're going to soak it in. And all the stories that us grown-ups have a hard time remembering and keeping all the details straight and remembering everything, man, their brains just absorb it. And it's an investment into their lives in the future to know these stories now. But we get the Bible storybook and we read it. And so kids, Should we do a kid front moment? Let's do a kid front moment. If you are a kid and you want to join me up on stage, come join me up on stage right now. And sit right here. Yeah, sit over here in this area. Come on up. Come on up. It'd be great to see as many of you as as we can fit. Okay, well, the pictures will not be on the screen, so the only way to see the pictures is to look up here, but I, pick, I did not pick the Bible story we were going to read tonight, so I'm deviating now. I just picked one that I thought we'd really enjoy.
This story is called Jesus's Disciples. This is what we do at home. They're actually a little louder at home. These kids are doing really good right now. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus walked around Israel and said this to everyone he met. What is the kingdom of God? Now, the kingdom of God is where God rules. It's anywhere in heaven or on earth where what God wants to happen is happening. What does it mean to repent? Well, it means to turn away from the bad things we used to do, to put those things away and leave them behind. And what is this good news? Well, that part is simple. The good news is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was here at last. The promises from long, long ago made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David were finally coming true. And many of the Israelites knew all the old stories about Abraham and Moses. They remembered Isaiah's promises about the coming of a new king, the Messiah. And it was time for God to reveal what he had always wanted to happen right before their eyes. Some of them were very excited when they saw Jesus. This could be him. This could be the Messiah. Others were confused. This could be the Messiah? You guys see the picture? I think that picture is pretty cool, huh? Let's look at the next page. See Jesus? It looks like he's in a boat, near a boat with some people fishing. You ever fished with a net before? I never have. I've only used a fishing pole. You see, many Israelites thought the Messiah would be a great military leader. In Jesus' day, Israel was part of the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was bigger than the Assyrian Empire, bigger than the Babylonian Empire, even bigger than the Persian Empire. And the Israelites couldn't do anything unless the Romans said it was okay. This bothered some of the Israelites. When the Messiah comes, they'd say to each other, he's going to kick the Romans out of Israel, and we'll have our own nation again. But Jesus didn't look like that kind of Messiah. He wasn't dressed like a warrior or riding a big horse or carrying a sword. He just looked like a guy, a regular guy. He didn't have a horse. He didn't even have a donkey. This could be the Messiah, they ask. See over here? Then Jesus did something interesting. He started collecting people. Do you guys collect anything? Anyone collect coins? Basketball cards? I collect. I, I have a lot of old basketball cards. Yes, your grandpa collects basketball cards. My guy. Well, Jesus started collecting people. First two brothers named Simon and Andrew, and Simon and Andrew were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus said. And they did. They put down their fishing nets, and they followed Jesus. And then two more fishermen, James and John, they got right out of their boat and followed Jesus. Then a tax collector named Levi Nobody liked tax collectors because they often cheated people. But Jesus chose Levi anyway. He looked at Levi, a guy no one liked, and said, follow me. And Levi did. Jesus kept collecting people, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, another James, Thaddeus, another Simon, and Judas. Twelve people in all. You will be my... Disciples. 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 Oh, yeah, disciples. You will be my... I, I, I mispronounce words for my kids all the time, just to see if they're listening, you know? Um, what's a disciple? A disciple is a student. But in Jesus' day, a disciple didn't just go to class with his teacher. 
He lived with his teacher. Disciples learned how to live good lives by watching their teacher. You guys have teachers at school? Yeah. You ever think, imagine like living with your teacher to learn how to live. Is that, is that how we do school these days? They did school a little different back then, huh? I will teach you how to live your life, Jesus said to his disciples. But not just any kind of life, the forever kind of life in the kingdom of God. A kind of life that no one had been able to live because sin had broken God's creation. Jesus was going to teach that kind of life to his new students, to his new friends. And what will we do after we start living this kind of life, they wondered. Jesus smiled. Teach it to the whole world. Jesus was bringing a new kind of life to his disciples. A forever kind of life. And these 12 people, fishermen and tax collectors and ordinary people... We're going to teach it to the world. Everyday truth. I am a disciple of Jesus choosing to follow his way every day. Let's talk about it. What's a disciple? Anybody remember? Yes. A disciple is someone that follows God. Yeah. And they, they don't just kind of learn about him, but they, they, they got to follow him around and see how he lived, huh? In what ways are we God's disciples? Can we follow Jesus around today? Is he walking around? How, do we, how would we do that then? How do we learn to follow Jesus? He's everywhere, but how, how? We go to church and stuff. Go to church and stuff. That's a great idea. You know, the Bible teaches us how Jesus lived so that we too can be disciples of his. And then there's a prayer. Let's pray, okay? Dear God, we want to follow you and share your love with others. Thank you for inviting us to spread the good news to the whole world. And God, thank you for these kids. And may their hearts be softened to know you and know your incredible love for them and their incredible need for you. In your name, amen. You guys give it up for these kids. Thank you. And that is what our evening looks like at home. We started young, and we got like the, the beginner's Bible. Then when our, your, your kids can start to read, we start to let the kids read the beginner's Bible. And then we start with some other Bible story books, and we mix it up. We have the action Bible, which is like um, 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 graphic novel meets Bible. It's really cool. Um, but we mix it up. But then as we get older, we'll start to read some of the, the Bible Bible together as a family. And then we can talk about it. And parents, if you don't have all the answers, that's brilliant. Because you can say to your kid, like, I don't know either. Like, let's try and figure that out. Or like, we'll have to do, I'll have to do some digging and get back to you. I'm not sure about that. And so this is another way, a regular way that we can immerse ourselves in the story of the scripture. It's a story that tells us about Jesus. And it's a story that has changed and continues to change our world and has changed and continues to change my life and has changed and continues to change the life of my family and has changed and continues to change your life and has changed and continues to change the life of your family and has the ability and the potential if you are not yet a Christian or a follower of Jesus. He wants to do a work in your life too. You know, at the front, this is not a church for people who are all together. We don't have it all together. Spend enough time with us and you'll find that out. 
But to be a Christian and to be a follower of Jesus is to admit we need him. Because without him, we would be falling apart. And so if, if you feel like things are falling apart for you, you are in wonderful company. We are so glad you're here because we think this is the perfect place for you to learn what it's like to experience Jesus' story. With that said, I would love to pray for us. And band, can you come up? Because you're going to lead us in a final song. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for how you're at work in all of us. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture that reveals to us who you are. And we thank you for Jesus, who reveals perfectly to us who you are. We thank you that you've taken the guesswork out for us. And so we pray that as we come to the scripture, as we invest our time showing up to the scripture, that you would over time form us and transform us. God, you know that we're in an Instagram culture with our Insta pots and our Insta everythings, and we kind of just want transformation to happen like the flick of a switch. But it seems that most of the time you're more of a crockpot God where we just continue to show up and marinate in the story. And over time, you are working it into us and into our bones and into our being. And so, God, I pray that we would trust you. We know you're capable of being the insta-God, but we pray that we would trust you also to be the crockpot God and just continue to show up and that you would form us in your time to look more and more like your son in your name.